Let's face it, okay? Um, us Brits find. Give me a wave if you're a Brit. This kind of speaks to all those that are not Brits as well. You will laugh at us on this point. We actually find public displays of emotion quite difficult. (laughs) Have you noticed that? The great thing is that we've got the BAFTAs coming up and the Oscars. and We're fine with the humour, okay? We're really fine with the humour. But the thing we can't deal with is the tears. We just can't stand tears. Yeah? Um, remember that great end of that tennis tournament with Andy Murray? Just... <laughs> I mean, it kind of went down in history, wouldn't it? It was much more <clears throat> memorable than any ones he actually won was actually this particular demonstration of just tears. <clears throat> um, I was at a um, pastor's lunch recently in the city, and uh, I have a good friend and fellow pastor uh, who was up on stage, and um, he just got to that place where he just got incredibly emotional. And uh, he was expressing God's heart, a great thing. He was expressing God's heart for leaders in the city praying together. That was fine, okay. But then he got, he, he, he was trying to say it, but he actually, he was so overcome with emotion, he couldn't say anything. And there was a sort of gap of about 15 seconds where he just was trying to say something and couldn't because he was overcome and it was part of me that was just deeply touched that actually you really care about this is so in you and you were so passionate about this. But there was another bit that was just wincing with how uncomfortable it was, particularly and foreign for us, particularly for us Brits. Did I forget to tell you that he was American? <laughs> uh, and... Um, you know, I, it's only when I try and reassure myself that actually, obviously, no such expressions of open uh, emotion are expressed in the Bible. That, um, and I look at what we're going to look at in a moment, which is Paul's relationship with Timothy, and I realise which culture is really out of sync with what is there in the Bible, because there are loads of expressions of deep and passionate emotion that is wonderful and caring and open and candid and vulnerable and if you're a Brit here you got to face it we got a problem with that <laughs> and we need to get over it here we go uh, we're in uh, Timothy where the series is called staying healthy today we're looking at healthy relationships and in particular we're looking at Paul's relationship with Timothy. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience. Got the, that's it, great. Uh, I'll start again. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. 
For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Longing to see him, recalling your tears. This is not the kind of talk that we find kind of in a boardroom. It sounds much more like the kind of thing that a father would say to his son. And in many ways, that's exactly what Paul is saying about Timothy. We can think it was just maybe one of those unique close bonds. But actually we see that there's lots of things like this in the Bible. Lots of these relationships, um, whether it's a, a Jonathan and a David in the Old Testament, an Elijah and an Elisha, or even Jesus with his own disciples. We see the same sort of thing happen in Act 20 um, with the Ephesian elders. And Paul's there and he knelt down and prayed for them all. And they began, it says, to weep aloud, embracing Paul, repeatedly kissing him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken that they would no longer see his face again. This was emotion. This was deep. They, they were emotionally connected. Yeah? And I believe it kind of sets a bar for us. This is the reason this is in the Bible, is because it's saying something very important to us about how we do leadership. You know, uh, I think having kind of been in ministry for about 30 years, I think it's, it's just all too easy for it to get kind of really businessy and it's, it becomes sort of about sort of executives kind of sitting together, setting goals, measuring effectiveness. And we lose so easily, we can lose that personal transparency and warmth that we see here in the Bible. They, they were, Paul was facing a lot of opposition. Um, a lot of false teaching was coming out. So they were dealing with really difficult things. And in many ways, Paul was sending Timothy to saying, I want you to go into this. I want you to sort that out. I want you to, you know, I'm, I'm off doing this. You need to go and sort that out. It's a difficult thing. But it's not done in a businessy way. It's done in a, a sense that actually there was deep emotion and, and there was real connection and a sense of um, this is something that we're doing in relationship and it's so important that we don't move away from that and there's a real tendency that we do move away from that we need to be intentional in our relationships let me say that again we need to be intentional so it doesn't just if you actually let it slide it will slide away from transparency and openness and vulnerability and it will move just as a kind of default. It will just move towards a kind of business transaction. 
it's the same the same is true if you're married here it can just easily move across and eventually you're just sort of like oh you pick up the kids you make the dinner I'll do the thing you know and it kind of just gets a businessy relationship and it's just important that this really is important having been married for 42 years that actually we actually make time to be vulnerable we make time to saying how are you really feeling about this what is it that you and, and at times that can be anger and it can be I am really upset about this and we've got to deal with it otherwise it's just it's a farce it's just we're just kind of you know we, we don't want to deal oh, I don't, don't want to deal with that emotion well then you go across and you have something that's plastic and unreal and it doesn't work Uh, it's great having an eldership team, a leadership team in the church. If you're if you're new here, we uh, have a. People often say, "Oh, are you the pastor, Matthew?" I say, "No, there's a team of elders." And then I have to explain a bit more because I know that doesn't quite explain how it works. And I then have to say, "No, no, actually, there's a team." When I say elders, I mean that we're all pastors. We're all caring for the flock of God and we work together and I make sure in leading that team that there's times that we just at times just go out and we'll have a drink and we'll just say so how's it going what's really happening listen we're not going to talk church we're going to talk how's it going for you how's your how's your marriage how's your health what's really going on for you how you feeling and it's so important that we make time, we carve out time to do that. In First Timothy, Paul is, and we're looking at these both these books, First Timothy and Second Timothy. Um, so in First Timothy, Paul is sending Timothy to go and sort out some of these complicated disagreements and false teaching in the Ephesians church. Whereas in the second letter, he's asking him to kind of leave the church issues in the hands of capable men. And to come and see Paul in prison. Paul's in prison at this time. And there's this such deep relationship that he's saying, he's actually, Paul's actually partly, it's like, look, I'm stuck here. I, we have a great relationship and I just want you to come and be with me. And so part of it is actually, it's for Paul's sake. It's like, look, somebody else can sort out all the real hassle. What I need is I need you with me. I need, I need a better you know, a bit of heart to heart. It's tough here. You know, so there's a bit of that in it. And there's a bit of it of actually him saying, you know what? I know I don't have long on this earth. I know where this is going. And I'm kind of handing over. as I, I'm handing over this mantle of actually this care for these churches. And Timothy, you know my heart. And I'm, I want you to come and I want to share some of those things with you. And a lot of Second Timothy is that, is him actually really just kind of sharing his heart in that kind of way. You know what he knows? He knows that Timothy is really for him. Others have deserted. We can see actual names mentioned. 
but he knows that Timothy is really for him. Timothy's got his heart. He's like a son. He knew his ways. He's going to build on the foundation that Paul has laid. Listen to the way that he talks about it in 1 Corinthians 4. You can just have that up. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you. He's talking to the Corinthians here, remember. I don't write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of Christ. No, it doesn't say that. It says, be imitators of me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Here's Paul saying, you have a lot of teachers. You have a lot of instructors. But I want to show you that what you really need is fathers. He was reminding them that he was more than a teacher to them. Maybe there were others that were kind of going in and actually could teach better than him. But he was saying, yeah, yeah, but I'm your father. I fathered you. There's a different issue. There's a difference in care. One is about instruction. The other is about, I really care about you. And he's saying, not only am I, did I father you, but as you see Timothy, you will see kind of what I'm talking about. Because actually he demonstrates a kind of father-son relationship. Obviously he wasn't Paul's son, literally. But he followed Paul's ways. He had Paul's heart. I think that it's not just about knowing the right thing to do, which is what you can learn from teaching, but it's actually being in tune with the way that I do things. It's the heart behind what I'm doing, is what Paul's saying. It's how you deal with somebody, not just knowing the right bullet points. It's about seeing it demonstrated and then saying, oh, right, okay, I've got that now. So I'm going to try and copy that. I'm going to try and actually be that way. And Paul was demonstrating. And what he was really saying was, listen to Timothy because I'm sending him. Really, when he comes to you, he's, he's he's bringing my heart. What he's saying is really what I'm saying to you. And he's bringing in the right same spirit as I'm bringing it to you. So listen to him. Listen, follow what he's saying. That's what he's saying. It's really, really important. There are limitations to following an instruction manual. It's good for putting together an IKEA wardrobe. Or well, maybe not, Dan. But uh, <laughs> Dan was telling me, he's, I was in Ikea yesterday, I was thinking about 
<coughs> Dan putting together his wardrobe, whatever it was. Uh, <coughs> but when it comes to dealing with people, it's all in the heart. We need to see the way somebody deals with a complicated pastoral issue. It's about manner, heartfelt expression of care and attentiveness. People know when you're distracted, don't they? Yeah, you can tell. You can tell when somebody's really listening to you and you're talking and when they're kind of like nodding and kind of not really listening. We, we have that ability to be able to read that. Yeah, we can kind of tell, yeah, no, you're just, you're just kind of going through the motions of this. <laughs> kind of keep nodding head kind of listen for five minutes and then move on. You know, that's, that's what we can learn from teaching. Actually, when we're learning from heart, we're saying, no, no, I'm really listening. I'm really, okay. <clears throat> I know it's been 15 minutes and it's kind of, but I'm still listening because you really, I'm, I'm, we're sharing heart here. We can tell those kind of things. We can tell when somebody's following a formula and when, when it's genuine. And what I want to say is that Paul trusted Timothy enough to say, that actually, Corinthian church, he has the same heart really as me. There was a deep relationship between them. They cared about each other. It was a two-way street. And I want to say this to us at King's. Let's make sure that in all we do, we measure up in a similar way. Are we connecting in this team in a relational way? As many of you leading teams, are you connecting in a relational way? Do you know what's going on in their life, team leaders? Let's exert some caution when we attempt to just to bash off an email. Just to kind of, it kind of, yeah, it answers it, but it doesn't convey your heart in the right way and can cause a lot more problems. Maybe you've got to think sometimes, and I, Often I'm thinking this. If you bash an email after me and I don't answer it, it might be because I'm thinking, you know what? I don't want to just answer quickly. This maybe is better talked about over a coffee. Because I want to express heart on the thing. I'm sorry if I have bashed off an email. (laughs) I'm sure I have to many of you. Um, Let's not be afraid of showing emotion even though it's rare for us Brits. Yeah? So going on, let's look, at, let's look at where Timothy came from. What was his background? He says this, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason I remind you to rekindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What we see is that Timothy's mother was a Christian, as was his grandmother. We first hear about this in Acts 16. Paul came also to, to Derby and to Lystra, and a disciple was there whose name was Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. So we're not told a name. We'll tell that later on. But his father was a Greek, 
And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. What we're told is that Eunice, his mother, became a Christian, even though probably her husband wasn't. It may be that Eunice and Lois became Christians at one of Paul's earlier missionary journeys. Why is he he mentioning this? Well, I want to say that one of the things is it lifts up the value of parenting. There'll be some of you here that you're believing for your child that you're working on, even though maybe your spouse is not a Christ follower yet. And you're like feeling, gosh, this is tough. I want to say this is, this scripture is encouraging for you in saying, actually, here's somebody that God used powerfully, and yet it looks like his dad wasn't a Christian, and his mom was having to deal with that. It gives us hope that we can produce dynamic, passionate men and women as Timothy became. You know, last week we were away as elders and wives in Brussels. And uh, I think one of my highlights was having a meal with Sam and Emma from the Rennes Church in France. Emma had been a student some 20 years ago in the church in Newcastle. She'd studied some French along with other things. And then after that, after, after doing a study, she decided she was going to go to France and join a New Frontiers church plant, which is what she did. Uh, it was some time later on that actually she met Sam, who had kind of come back to faith. He's French. He'd come back to faith, um, fell in love, married. They have three children. And now Sam is leading that church. And it was just really great. We had a meal together. We shared heart. We shared about some of the um, difficulties of leading a church in France uh, and how that was. But it was also, there was lots of, lots of memories. Anne and I had gone out to actually see her, like a, I think a year after she was there, just to see how she was. So there was a kind of heart connection And it was just so good to see that kind of persevering faith that had kind of broken through. And you're kind of like, I played just a small part in your life. But actually, look how God's using you. I can look here and I can see some of you who I knew when you were just little children. I knew your parents, you know, Libby and Marianne, Hannah, Amal. And then you see God using years later, you know, 20 years later, you see it. And I think that's some of what we're getting out of this little bit of this passage here, that actually Paul's lifting this up and saying, actually, for, for all time, you know, we know the name of Lois the Granny. And I'm thinking, how lovely is that? Lois the Granny... You know, and she gets a mention. Why? Because she just was a godly lady, knew Christ, and helped towards her son 
kind of coming through and persevering and then God using him. What a lovely story. We also have other people that we also met, um, Tom and Tinica, uh, who again were with us here in Edinburgh just a few years ago. And Tom is now kind of, he's an elder uh, in The Hague, um, but also Chris Taylor's kind of moving across now to kind of help plant Delft Church and kind of leaving it quite a lot in Tom's hands. You know, you're seeing actually even just in a few years, God doing that. And there's just that wonderful weaving of actually kind of being involved in that process. I think it's a, a great thing. So it's great to see Andy and Ros here for the first time over here. Uh, as Ros said to me, it's the first time I've been here. And they were great friends uh, in Newcastle. And Andy's an elder there. Um, it's just, again, it's just a, it's a heartfelt thing. And so what is this saying to us? It's saying that um, it's encouraging parents and grandparents and kids workers that actually you might be working away. And sometimes it might be incredibly frustrating. And sometimes you look at your kid and you think, <laughs> I, I don't know where this is going quite. This is tough. And God wants to lift your eyes to the long game. Let's have a culture that lifts up behind the scenes hard workers and actually saying, yeah, look at that. It's, it's worth it. It's worth it. So it's a real encouragement. And then finally we see that Paul was encouraging Timothy in his second letter. Um, as I said, it was a bit like a last will and testament Don't forget these vital points, Timothy, he's saying, long after I'm gone, because of his close relationship, he could speak into Timothy in a way that maybe nobody else could. He knew him so well. He knew about his proneness to stomach problems. He knew about his anxiety. He knew about his propensity to backing off from conflict or getting discouraged or discounting himself, comparing himself to others. And this is what he tells Timothy to do. He says, you, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Fight the good fight. Don't neglect your gift, which is given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. Paul is saying, you received a call of God. The Holy Spirit imparted his power in you for purpose. When you are tempted to discount yourself, remember this. There's a challenge to us to stir up, not just to go onto cruise control. No cruise control? I like cruise control on my car. It's very useful for speed cameras, isn't it? Particularly, you know, when you've got lots and lots of them, and you've got to just stay in that 40 mile an hour limit, and you go on. But, but in terms of this, there's a time to stir up the gift of God in you, and He's saying that 
to Timothy. Stir it up. Stoke it up. Remember what God has for you. Remember the purposes that God has for you. Don't just kind of, oh, well, it's a little bit difficult. I think I'll just take a bit of a back seat and kind of cruise. Conflict is a difficult thing and somebody else can do that. And I'll just kind of get by. It's a real temptation. And he's saying, make sure you stir this up in you, Timothy. Make sure you keep on fire for this. Don't just go cold and passive. Stir up the gift in you. And I want to say that to us here. Stir up the gift in you. I believe there are some here who actually this applies to. As I was just in the worship, I just, I felt, hmm, what is it, God, that you're wanting to say right at this end point? And this is what I want to say. I want to say, if that's you, and you've just come under that kind of discouragement, and you're like, I, this is a tough business. I feel like crying. Maybe not in public, but, you know. God's wanting to say to you, stir up the gift in you. Because I've got purposes. I've got a job. I called you. I've got purposes for you. I know that these kind of doubts and discouragements will come flooding in. When we're really up against it. When we're dealing with tough situations. You know how Paul knew that? You know why he could say it so strongly to Timothy? Because he'd experienced it himself. He knew exactly those things. He wasn't just saying, oh yeah, you, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're just a timid sort of chap. And often we sort of see that. We just sort of say, oh yes, of course. No, no. He, he's, he knows how tough this is. He had personal experience. And he says, stir it up. Don't let it grow cold. I want us to notice a few things here. I want to say, first of all, it takes fight. There is a battle. So I was reading again the, I think it was a Terry quote, Terry Virgo quote. The Christian faith is not like a battle. It is a battle. It is a battle. The enemy wants to take us out. And in particular, he wants to take out all those that have the potential of really leading something. He wants to take us out. He wants to discourage us. He wants to cause us to give up, or at least to take our foot off the gas, to avoid the challenges and opt for just easier compromises. You know what? You've got to win the personal battle first that God has called us to. He has commissioned us. Knowing that no matter how I feel, I can be strong in his grace. That's what, he, that's what Paul says to him. Be strong in the grace of God. I can be strong in his grace. We can see other people in the Bible that came under it. Peter, after his denial. This wasn't just a Timothy thing. It's Peter after his denial. Elijah, after the threats from Jezebel. Gideon, after the threats from the Midianites. When we are confident in God's call and grace, we can take out then we can take on then the outward challenge and face 
those things that actually God's called us to do and to lead with authority. Secondly, Timothy has been powerfully anointed by the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands by the elders and Paul. This wasn't just some religious ceremony that they kind of went through. Oh yes, let's do the kind of laying on of hands ceremony, you know, that we kind of, that we do. This was a real encounter with the Holy Spirit. Paul doesn't remind him, remember the Bible college you went to. Remember the theology training you had. He doesn't say that. He says, remember the prophetic words that were spoken over you, the laying on of hands and the commissioning by the Holy Spirit. That's what you need to remember when you get kind of afraid and bashful and want to back off this thing. I think that Academy is a great thing. We, I love it. I think it's so good and it's so rich for us, which is a, sort of a, a, a Bible training course in leadership that we do here at the church uh, that we'll be talking about again um, later on. But there's, there's you know, 50 plus people on it. Um, it's a great thing. But let's not mix up that point with good teaching and the Holy Spirit encountering and setting aside of his people for works of service. Ephesians 4 speaks about the ascended Christ commissioning specifically, so he's there, commissioning people, leaders, into his church to bring the church into maturity and into unity. And he specifically gives particular gifts to men and women that they would accomplish this task. So we're saying Jesus is still on the throne. Let's say that. Jesus is still on the throne. Let's say it again. Jesus is still on the throne. Yes? Yes. And he is commissioning. He's still in charge. It's not delegated to, to, oh, well, I'm just kind of standing out of the way now. He's delegating and he's saying, no, I'm still in the business of commissioning those people into leadership. And I'm calling, we believe in that. We believe in Holy Spirit laying on of hands. We still believe in that here. And actually that's what we still do. We still are saying, God, give us words that are going to prophetically speak into people's lives and to commission them for works of service. Let's, please, please, let's not lose this vital New Testament practice. It's what we see in these scriptures. We can't get away from it. This is what Paul's saying to Timothy. We mustn't substitute just learning from the anointing of God that comes. We we need both of those things. We need to know stuff, but we also need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? We need both those things. Yeah? We need both those things. 
We believe in Holy Spirit anointing for leadership. It's not just a kind of boardroom decision. It's one which we take to God and we say, God, who are you calling? Who are you setting aside? Who is it that actually you want in this situation? That's, that's what we're in. And that was a case in the New Testament, and I believe it hasn't changed since. So finally, these are my one, two, three, four, five points to conclude, okay, very quickly. It's okay to be emotional. It's even something that we Brits need to get better at. We need to show some passion, express our hearts in friendship, and be a bit more vulnerable. Secondly, don't let leadership and team become all business and goal evaluation. Have some fun, but keep it relational. Thirdly, be encouraged parents, grannies, granddads, kids workers, at the great task that you're involved in. You don't know what God will use and what he'll use them in later on. Fourthly, let's value good teaching. But let's look for fathering sons and daughters who are going to follow our ways. And fifthly, let's make sure that we have a value that says God is still on the throne and he is still alive and very well and is still actively involved. He hasn't retired. He is still actively involved in calling his people into leadership. Yeah? Let's stand up. Can we just have the band on? We're just going to finish with a song. I'm going to pray while the band's just getting ready. Lord, I thank you, God. I, yeah, I thank you, God, that you gave us such great examples in the Bible. And Paul and Timothy's relationship is just such a fantastic, passionate example of two guys just working out their ministry for you. Ah. Uh, Seeing churches planted and strengthened and challenges faced. But in deep heart relationship, emotional relationship, vulnerable relationship. And Lord, your Holy Spirit is still here to call us and empower us and anoint us for works of service. We love you, God.